0: Praise the Lord and good morning, great morning, blessed morning to our Grandberry and two County Cooperative Parish family members. Oh, what a beautiful morning and what a glorious day God has blessed us with on this, our second Sunday in Easter. I certainly miss seeing your faces But we thank the Lord because we know that there is no time and no distance between us in the Spirit. So I see you in the Spirit worshiping with me today. And again, I thank the Lord for each and every one of you. We just have one announcement for this week for us as a a, uh, Cooperative Parish and for us is Granbury. And that is that there will be SPRC meetings held this week. You'll receive an announcement via email and or text message regarding that. It's now time for our call to worship, which will be read for us this morning by Jeff Cruz of Granbury. And that will be followed by our morning hymn, He reigns. He reigns.
1: The Lord reigns. Let the nations tremble. He sits enthroned between the cherubim. Let the earth shake. Great is the Lord in Zion. He is exalted over all the nations. Let them praise your great and awesome name. He is holy. The King is mighty. He loves justice. You have established equity in Jacob. You have done what is just and right. Psalms ninety-nine one through four. Okay.
0: It's time for our morning prayers, and uh, we will be having a, We will be offering three prayers, three types of prayers this morning. We will offer a prayer of uh, thanksgiving and opening prayer greeting our Lord this morning we will then pray for the concerns of our congregations we will close by praying together our Lord's Prayer please hear the names of those that we will be praying for specifically this morning Jacob Mildred Maurice Bobby Jackie and Judy's sister Ken, Ann's husband Jimmy from Bethel, the Robertson family, Sam, Tom's friend, and Delma and George's brother. Please bow your heads with me, dearly beloved. We are come together in the presence of almighty God and of the whole company of heaven to make humble confession of our sins unto our almighty God, to set forth his worthy praise, to hear his most holy word, to declare our faith in him, to ask for ourselves and all men those things which are necessary for the body and the soul, to offer unto him the service of our lives, and to receive his blessing. Wherefore, let us rejoice and offer unto God our praises. Amen. 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 Father, we do praise you, and then, Lord God, we know, Lord God, that you have given us the assurance that as your children, when we call out to you, that you hear, and we ans- and you answer our prayers. Father God, we thank you, Lord God, because you have affirmed to us that we can come boldly to you with our petitions. and. Father, you've heard the names that have been mentioned this morning. You know those, Lord God, who are in need of your healing touch. And because we know that you are Jehovah Rapha, the God that healeth thee, we ask you, Lord God, to touch each body in the way, Lord God, that is necessary. Provide, Lord God, for the cure, the healing, Lord God, and the recovery, Lord God, that those in need, Lord God, of attention to their health, Required today. We pray, Lord God, also for those, Lord God, who need you, Lord God, to supply their needs this morning. You are Jehovah Jireh. You are the God who meets all of our needs according to your riches and glory. So, Father God, whatever the area may be, whatever the need may be, we, your children, are looking together with those who made the petitions, Lord God, for your almighty intervention, an answer, a solution, leading, guiding, deliverance. We're looking to you, Lord God, to supply those needs today. And Lord God, we do, Lord God, pray for our Nation, Lord God, we pray for health care workers. We pray, pray for all of those on the front lines. Everyone, Lord God, that is affected positively and negatively as a result of the COVID-19 virus. We pray, Lord God, for a quick uh, uh, remedy, Lord God, that you will provide in your timing and in your way. And we thank you in advance for blessing us by the answers to our prayers. Amen, amen, and amen. Together now, we pray the prayer that Jesus taught Amen and Amen. We will now hear our scripture of the morning. And that will be followed by your message, our message, my message uh, from the Lord for all of us today. Our scripture will be read by Sharon Cooper.
1: Today I'm reading from Matthew 5, 1 through Twelve. Now when he saw the crowds, he went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you.
0: Let me invite you to bow your heads again very shortly with me. Heavenly Father, I stand, Lord God, today before your people. Father God, desiring, Lord God, to be used of you in the way that you, Lord God, would like. I pray, Lord God, that you speak through me, Lord God, and speak to me. Most importantly, I pray that you touch the hearts of all of your hearers so that faith will be ignited and reignited within all of our hearts today. Give us clarity of mind, certainly clarity of heart, Lord God, clarity of understanding, and most of all, Lord God, empower us to walk in the wisdom of the word that you share with us today. I ask these blessings in Christ's name. Amen, amen, and amen. You have heard the primary text, the foundational text for this morning's message. Uh, the message itself is entitled The Mighty Mourners. Our specific verse, the verse, the text that we are drawing from from today, or for today, is verse four. And that reads, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Of the nine Beatitudes presented, this will be number two. We started this series, this is uh, the third message in the series of the uh, Beatitudes that we refer to as the supremely blessed Beatitudes. These are uh, Jesus' words of uh, encouragement and instruction for us regarding how we might live kingdom life here on earth or the most supremely blessed life here on earth. As we study it, we will discover that it's contrary to what? culture says today. And so be it. We are not people of today's culture. We are people of God's word. Of God's word. You'll hear me often refer to a commentator, a theologian and Bible commentator whom I thoroughly enjoy uh, reading and studying his uh, words, his descriptions, his comments on the Holy uh, Scriptures. When he talks about this particular verse, verse 4, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. He tells us that the mourners that are referred to here are generally uh, taught or thought of in three basic uh, categories. And that First category would be those that we naturally think of, immediately we first think of, and those are the ones who have lost a loved one, lost a loved one. Last fall, we here at Grandberry and at the other churches within our two-county cooperative parish, we observed All Saints Day. We, we did this by honoring beloved members of our churches that had gone on to their and our heavenly home. We honored wives and husbands and mothers and fathers and sisters and brothers, and we also honored our beloved former pastor, Tim. It was a heartfelt and certainly a very moving service. The church was decorated appropriately with candles to remind us of all of those lights that had once set and lit the congregation among us. It's a wonderful, beautiful time together. And I can believe that each one of us can recall services like that, but we can also recall in our personal experiences of times of mourning those times that the Lord did something very meaningful. To comfort us individually, individually, individually. I remember one of the many things that the Lord did but the one that stands out most strongly uh, most in a most prevalent way for me in this season and that and that season rather at the death uh, of my husband. I remember after paying the final bill and leaving the hospital where my husband died, Uh, with a friend of mine who was accompanying me for that task, I happened to look down on the ground and I saw a tiny, crinkled piece of paper. When I unfolded it, and it was tiny, about one inch or two inches by two inches, when I unfolded it, I was surprised and blessed by what I saw. It was a tiny drawing of a cross, and within it, were inscribed the words, God loves you. God loves you. Now, although I couldn't fully articulate or even understand the theological meaning, the fullness of it in that image, but what I did understand, what I fully experienced, was God's comfort and compassion covering me at that very moment as I mourned the loss of the love of my life, my husband, Danny Ray Wilkes. As I meditated again on this this, uh, encounter of of God's uh, comfort for me and my mourning and my sorrow, I remembered a poem that uh, William Barclay, the theologian I just mentioned, included in his Matthew commentary, a poem about sorrow and grief in the life of a Christian. It reads, I walked a mile with pleasure, she chattered all the way, but left me none the wiser for all she had to say. I walked a mile with sorrow, and near a word said she, but all oh, the things I learned from her when sorrow walked with me. Beautiful, beautiful. I think King Solomon says it in an even more beautiful way. Consider what the wisest man in the world of his time wrote. It's in Ecclesiastes. And he says, better to go to the house of the mourning, the sad, the grieving, the bereaved, than to go to the house of feasting. For that is the end of all men, and the living will take it to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, for by a a sad countenance, the heart is made better, better. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of mirth. Through the pains of mourning, sorrow, and grief, God presents us with a most precious gift. And it is the gift of godly wisdom attained through loss and mourning. Barclay goes on to describe another type, another category of mourners. And Barclay says when we read this text that we can think about those who mourn for others. That is, those who mourn not for their own personal losses, but they are grieving, they grieve the loss and the severe lack of basic necessities of life, uh, food, clothing, shelter, love, love, suffered by so many world citizens today. God has prepared the hurting hearts of his Christian missionaries throughout the ages to serve and often, often, to suffer while they seek to serve and relieve the deep, dark pain, pains of those around the world. Amy Carmichael is one such missionary Amy, you may know her story already, she grew up in a home in Ireland in the late 1800s where she actively worked in a Presbyterian church. She worked as a teacher of young female mill workers. They, these young ladies were called shawlings because rather than wearing hats, they wore shawls to keep themselves warm. She was a, a missionary of sorts to the young women at that time, the young women employed in the mills. However, in 1887, she heard of the famed missionary, Hudson Taylor, who had founded the China Inland Mission. And when she heard him speak, she became convinced soon after that, that the Lord was calling her to foreign missions, calling her to a foreign mission field. However, She wasn't considered to be a likely candidate because she suffered from neuralgia. It's a a disease of the nerves that made her whole body weak and achy. Often it was putting her to bed for extended periods of weeks at a time. Yet she was dauntless. She did not lose her pain and her desire to be a missionary in the foreign field. Unfortunately, however, after training as a missionary with the China Inland Mission, she was rejected for service with them because of her poor health. Amy spent a brief time in Japan, then she went on to Sri Lanka, and then later she went to Bangalore, India, and she went there for health reasons. And it was there, it was in India, that she found dead her lifelong ministry to women and to children. And she remained there until her death. She's most noted for saving, that is, delivering young girls, young women, and boys as well, from slavery or what we would call today sex trafficking. Those young folks who were forced into prostitution in Hindu temples. Parents during those days often sold their children to the temples because they wanted or needed extra money. They sold their children because they did not want the children. They sold the children because they just could not afford one more mouth to feed. Carmichael herself reported that her ministry of saving these children began with a runaway temple servant girl by the name of Prina. Amy ran after that girl and brought her into the safety of her mission, of her work. Nevertheless, the temple priest made threats, took active evil actions toward uh, Amy. Yet, yet Amy persisted in her love and her fight for Prina, who was finally able to remain with her. All the children that she rescued had a testimony regarding Amy. When they were asked, why in the world would you follow a foreign missionary? And their answer was this. We were drawn to Amy by her love, and we know the love that she had was not just Amy's own love, but it was the love of God that was residing within her, the love of God by the power of the Spirit of God. However, in uh, 1931, Amy suffered a severe fall in left her injured, causing her to remain bedridden, not for a few months, not even for a year or two, but for two full decades of her life. Yet she still continued to serve and work in her ministry. It was known as the Donovan Verreuther Fellowship. And she continued writing inspirational books. Many still remain in print today. She did die in 1951 at the ripe and beautiful age of 83, leaving a lasting legacy of love for God and God's suffering children. Daniel 11 and 32b says this, I love it, Uh, in the King James Version it says it this way, but the people that do know their God, meaning having a strong intimate relationship with God. Those people who do know their God shall be strong, and I love the word, exploits, and they will do exploits. That word, exploits, Google says it means this, to make full use of derived benefits from a resource. She leaned on the Lord and she gained the power, the strength to do things that some might even say or call the miraculous on behalf of her children. I like to call these mourners the mighty mourners because as Christians, they're the ones who see and mourn suffering and then frequently they seek God for the ways to help and comfort the suffering, God himself sees to it that these mighty mourners are comforted as well. I believe that they are comforted by hearing the words here on earth as well as when they meet their Lord in heaven. Hearing those words, well done, my good and my faithful servant. I find comfort also in the words from Proverbs eleven twenty five He, she, who refreshes others, will herself himself be refreshed, will be watered like a well watered garden. That's number two. But number three, number three, number three, is the most fundamental meaning of the phrase blessed are those who Mourn. The third reason, the third blessed group, are those who mourn because of the effects of sin on God and man. This reason, according to most Christians, theologians, commentators, etc., is the predominant or foundational meaning of God's words. To us in this verse, God extends great comfort to those who see themselves as sinners and mourn their sins. And mourn their sins. Listen to the words of Isaiah, the words found in Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 through 3. And pay particular attention with me to verse 3. This is another sermon by itself, but we're not ending our our sermon, our message for this morning uh, with these verses. Um, The Spirit of the Lord, God, is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me, empowered me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort, comfort, comfort all who mourn, to comfort and console those who mourn in Zion, ah, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Isaiah saw and wrote these words because who he saw and what he saw was a vision of the future Messiah, the arrival of the future Messiah the arrival the rule and the reign of the Messiah that's good that's good but let us hear what Jesus said in Luke chapter 4 verses 16 through 21 verse 16 so he came to Nazareth Nazareth where he had been brought up and as his was he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. When he opened the book, he found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then Jesus closed the book, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him and he began to say to them this day hmm, today not tomorrow this this day right now this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing in essence Jesus said I am the Messiah who has come to comfort your mourning because your moaning and groaning because of the effects of sin, of sin, of sin. I want to stop just real quick and give you a quick illustration also again from William Barclay. I know that many of you under the sound of my voice are number one parents and then some of you have the blessed joy of being grandparents as well. And And you have been a child yourself. So from a parental perspective, Barclay drew this illustration. You remember your parents' faces when you hurt or disappointed them by an action or a word. You remember seeing their countenance fall and the pain that you saw on their faces. Or you can remember more recently having either a child or grandchild disappoint you and you could not control your countenance. You were hurt by their action. You were disappointed by it. And you can remember when they took note in love for you that they had hurt you. There have been times where you went where you witnesses witnessed the tears in your child's or your grandchild's eyes. the power of that kind of hurt or repentance and repentance sorrow for sins committed, that is the kind of contrite heart that God himself is looking for in the heart, again, in the mind, in the life of one who is stricken by the magnitude of the devastation caused by sin, the state of sin, and their sin individually. Affected by how that sin affected our Lord. I'll say this and then we will close. If you have not had an opportunity to view again the passion of the Christ, if you've not had an opportunity to review some of the images, that we used in our stations of the cross please take a take a moment and review again yes it's bloody yes it's gory and i dare say yes it's the closest thing to the reality of the kind of suffering our lord suffered on our behalf for the sins that we have committed. Bow your heads with me, please. Heavenly Father, we grieve, Lord God, and we mourn the state, Lord God, of sin that we were born into. We grieve and we mourn, Lord God, every time that we, Lord God, have disobeyed you, that we have fallen short of the mark. We do not walk in unnecessary guilt. We are not oppressed. But we do mourn the state of sin. And we desire, Lord God, to repent now together for anything that we've done today or yesterday or this morning or maybe just a minute ago that has hurt your heart. We thank you, Lord God, for your word, your promise to us in John that tells us if we confess our sins, that you are the one who is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and you are the one who cleanses us from all unrighteousness. So we rise from our spiritual knees in prayer with our hearts and our hands lifted toward you, Lord God, in thanking you, Lord God, for your gift of salvation and your continuing daily gift of sanctification, the daily cleansing, that is assured to us through your word. Amen. Amen, amen. We will close with prayer. Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus the Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working In you in a way that is pleasing in his sight. Walking with you day by day. With Jesus Christ and through Jesus Christ. To whom be all glory forever and ever. Amen, amen, and amen.